0: I must, I must, I must increase my bust. The echo of that mantra could be heard through the walls of every flat-chested teenager in the 80s, and it became a real sign of the times. I suspect Judy Bloom couldn't fathom that by having her female protagonist, Margaret, repeat this catchphrase over and over while performing a chest-pumping exercise, that doesn't actually work by the way, she would start a movement amongst small-breasted grade 7 and 8 girls everywhere. And yep, I was one of them, could have been leader of the pack. The bigger the better, the tighter the sweater, the boys depend on us. I'm Jenny B and this is it actually.
1: This is it. Actually, take a
0: sip and grab a seat
1: cuz this is it.
0: I've had a lifelong love-hate relationship with my boobs. Growing up, I don't think I ever gave them a second thought until someone else pointed them out to me, or rather, their lack thereof. As kids, we're mostly on a level playing field. No one really cares that much about how they look or how someone else looks until you start to get older and puberty and genetics start separating us from one another. It's the greatest gift and the biggest travesty. In grade 7, everyone was getting boobs. Well, everyone but me. I saw them on the other girls under tight shirts and in the change room, but girls don't really care. We check each other out because that's what we do, but no one made a big deal about it until they did. I was standing in the hallway waiting to go into French class, and a few boys from the other class were walking alongside our line, and they started snapping the girls' bra straps from behind. I heard a few squeals and a bit of a ruckus, but not in enough time to turn away or stop it from happening to me. When the first boy got to me, he pulled up my shirt and thought he'd miscalculated his grab, so he quickly tried again. I mean, he could have just kept trying forever and still came up the same way because there was nothing to grab. I didn't need a bra, so I didn't wear a bra. By his stupid reaction, you would think I had broken every single clothing rule in the book. He covered his mouth and shouted, ah! and then announced to the boys and the rest of the line and anyone else standing within a 20-foot radius that I was in fact not wearing a bra. Of course, looking back on this now, I'm like, who gives a shit? I wish I'd had the confidence to say, so what? Or something witty, like, hey guys, guess who wears extra small underwear? Okay, that's not actually all that witty, but you get my point. Why on earth did I let that kid in that one single moment define my worth? I couldn't shake it all day, obviously. I went home immediately after school and cried to my mom. She looked at me kind of like, well, okay, I mean, it kind of is what it is, but I also think she saw the desperation on my face. And I was her fifth kid, and she was pretty exhausted, so I think she just decided to humor me. She said, okay, let's get you a bra. I went and dropped my bag in my room, and when I came back out, my brother was standing there. She had told him he needed to take me to Zeller's. I can't decide who this excursion was worse for. As we walked out the door, I heard my mom yell, Just a training bra. Perfect. There was sort of just one beauty standard when I was growing up. I had the skinny thing down pat, but I definitely missed the boob gene, and one without the other just wasn't acceptable back then. I always felt boyish, and that led to later in life feeling unsexy because boobs were the thing. You certainly didn't see flat-chested women gracing the cover of Playboy, and not to say that was a life goal of mine, but we tend to gravitate to being products of our environment, and bronzed beach babes with bodacious breasts were all the rage. I kind of rebelled against the beauty standard a bit, I wasn't hardcore or anything, but I started wearing oversized baggy tees and men's jeans cinched with a belt. I shaved my hair and mixed blue eyeshadow with Vaseline to make a questionably colored lipstick. I think I probably figured if I could divert attention away from my stick-style frame, then no one would notice just how stacked up I wasn't. But perspective is everything. Hot tip, no one was noticing anything. We were teens, everyone only noticed themselves. It's such a rotten shame that it takes so long for us to realize this. If we only knew that we were all swimming around in the same insecurities, popular or not, big-breasted or flat-chested, cheerleader or chess player, no one was immune to their own made-up scrutiny. I've talked about this before, when I was in my mid-twenties I went on my second backpacking trip through Europe. We met some boys from Mississippi and became really close really fast and switched our travels so we could do some of the same cities at the same time. We all ended up in Nice together. I had been with my brother a few years before so I convinced everyone to stay at the same hostel because the most beautiful beach was just a short walk away. On our first full day we packed our booze, our cheese, our bread, and we headed to the water. It was perfection. About an hour in, I could hear our Mississippi friends chatting to someone. I rolled over and looked up, and there were two women, exactly our age, leaning down chatting to the boys. They had their full attention. They were wearing teeny tiny bikini bottoms and nothing else. I couldn't take my eyes off one of the women. She had a short, sun-kissed pixie cut, her skin was tan, she was funny and confident, and she was my exact boob twin. I was stunned. There were my boobs on another person. Same size, same nipples, same shape. I nudged my girlfriend and said, those are my boobs, right? She laughed at me and looked and then turned back with a very serious face and said, uh, yeah, they are. So let me be clear about something. Sure, it was weird to see my boobs on someone else, but what struck me most fascinating was not who she was, but how she was. Never mind that I was covered up, our postures alone were totally different. I don't consider myself to be overly insecure, but man, she was owning everything that she had. And to top it off, here were boys finding her beautiful and interesting, and it went against everything I had ever thought about myself and about how boys saw me or girls in general. I stared at her through my sunglasses for way longer than is appropriate, but I think I was trying to comprehend or maybe even emulate her state of mind. I wanted to rip my bikini top off right then and there and be free and happy with the body i'd been given i mean i didn't but i wanted to i have carried that woman around with me for years i even nicknamed her pixie i have obviously seen many more topless women at beaches and in change rooms since her but she is seared into my brain not only because of our physical similarities but because of just the way she was I knew that if I was going to learn to love my little bees, I needed to somehow muster up even a small version of her swagger. Since then, I've had ups and downs in my relationship with my boobs. Let's just say there's been mountains and molehills. There's been times I've looked in the mirror and thought, yeah, those are perfect for you. And then there's been other times when I've thought, wow, those are just about the smallest things I've ever seen. I've obviously never dated anyone who was more attracted to big breasts, or at least they shelved that desire for the time they were with me, but I've definitely been with people who were very into small breasts, and as much as I hate to admit this, it sure helps the old self-esteem factor, and those were the times I was much more comfortable being au naturel. I've stuffed my bra with tissue. I've bought push ups, demis, fulls, and I've owned bras that have pad inserts made of cotton, foam, gel, and silicone. Those are the ones that resemble a raw chicken cutlet and they're supposed to form to your body as they warm up against your skin. But all they did for me was get kind of sticky and sweaty and, truthfully, sort of heavy. I do remember a time when I was rounding second base with someone and it was likely that my shirt would be the next thing to hit the floor and I should have been all this is fun and awesome but all I could think about was how I was going to effortlessly maneuver myself out of my bra without big pads falling off of my body. I also realized that it's totally false advertising. And hey, we all do things to make ourselves feel good and I have no judgement for any of the things that anyone wants to do where that's concerned, but I did imagine being the other person and taking home a 34B and in one fell swoop ending up with a 34 A, and it just didn't seem right. Also, it was too distracting and too much pressure, so that's when I officially stopped stuffing. The first time I went to New York, my girlfriends and I bar hopped right into the OG Coyote Ugly Bar. All along and beside the bar are clotheslines and walls and racks, pun intended, of bras. All the bras. It's obviously a sight to see, and the idea that women are leaving their bras there is pretty funny, but what struck me was all the different styles and sizes. Like, in thousands of bras, I barely saw a repeat. That is amazing. Because let's face it, no two, or one, or none, chests are the same. Those bras are hung there for shock, hilarity, a conversation piece, but to me, it was art it was really beautiful. When I was 33, I was introduced to a brand new set of boobs. They were still mine, but over the course of nine months, followed by another eight after that, I barely recognized them. Growing a baby inside of me did horrible and wonderful things to my body. My tummy, my ankles, my fingers, and my boobs blew up like balloons. In my case, small celebration balloons. They rounded out to what I thought was the perfect size for me. I looked at them a lot. I was fascinated by their shape and size, and there was about a two or three week period when my stomach wasn't that big, but my boobs had already blossomed, and I had a tiny window into what it would look like if they were my actual non-pregnant boobs. It was a glorious time in my life. Then, everything changed. Spoiler alert, I had the baby, and did you know that newborns don't instinctively know how to nourish themselves? No one told me I'd have to teach my baby how to eat. I mean, of course it makes sense, they didn't do that in the womb, but it never occurred to me that this is when all the hard teachings and lessons of motherhood would start. Getting my first baby to latch was, well, difficult. Literally, as I'm saying this, I can feel a weird sensation brewing inside my boobs. It's actually a real thing. It's called phantom letdown, and it's an old familiar tingling feeling women get when they talk about breastfeeding or they hear a baby cry, even though they're no longer doing it. It's super weird. Anyway, it was hard. And you know what else was hard? My boobs. Like hard as a rock. I woke up the first morning I was back at home and it felt like I had baseballs on my chest. I didn't know what happened. I could barely move my arms and it felt like if someone pricked me with a pin, they would shatter. I can clearly see myself walking from our car to the doctor's office. I was wearing a light gray t shirt and I looked down to see two giant wet spots. I was in so much pain, I couldn't even worry about my appearance. I pulled up my shirt to show my doctor and when she got a look at them, her eyes widened and she said, okay, we're going to need to get that milk out of you. I ended up hiring a lactation coach, didn't even know that was a thing. She plastered me with cabbage leaves and she contorted her body around behind me to show both my husband and I how to massage and soften my tissue and how to get my baby to properly latch. That was when boobs took on a whole new meaning for me. I'd never thought about anything more in my entire life. There were tears and laughter and wet spots and humiliation and determination and anger and happiness. Because you know what? Those were some hard-working memories. They kept two humans alive for the first 8 and 11 months of their lives. I'm very proud of them for that. And then, as life goes, my breasts completely changed again after I had babies, I dreamt that they would stay that glorious B-cup, I'd heard tales of this happening and I figured I'd paid my small boobs due. Yeah, so about that, they can actually also become smaller than where you actually started. It was like the milk drained out, dried up, and took another quarter of my original boobs with it. A very quickly turned to double A and that was that. It was very apparent that I, someone who is not a big fan of change, was going to have to start accepting it as I got older. In my mid-30s, I went to a med spa to see about getting some small spider veins removed from my legs. In the consultation, I had to pull my pants down to show them to the technician because they were on my upper thigh. She took a quick look, told me about the procedure, and before I even had my pants back up, she slid a pamphlet across the table, face down, like we were in some kind of old-timey negotiation. And without so much as a change in facial expression, she told me to, Consider this. When I got outside the office, I flipped the paper over and saw that it was a brochure for breast implants. Here's the thing. Big boobs, small boobs, no boobs, good things come in all packages. I will forever look longingly at women who embrace exactly what they have. It's taken me a long time to grow. Well, not actually grow, but to lean into and love what I've got. Because this is it, and thank goodness for that.
2: Let me tell you a little story about my username. It's probably the question I get asked most often. What's with your username? What's the story behind your username? So my username is Flats Hanlon, which Hanlon is my last name and I think suitably describes one element of my body pretty well. Well, actually I wouldn't have even been the one to describe myself as flat chested, unless it had been for the fact that my entire life people have described me that way. But of course, years and years later, when I'm in my 20s deciding a username for social medias, as you do, I come from a time when your username wasn't just your real name. Plus there's already a Sarah Hanlon out there, so something didn't sit right with being Sarah Hanlon too. So I picked my username, I thought, hey, I'm gonna embrace it, I'm Flats Hanlon. Well, let me tell you, all of a sudden, people started asking, what does that mean? What is that about? You're not flat. Yes, I am. My breasts are fantastic, but they are flat. And still, they would grip their pearls and men would say, what? I've never even heard that before, despite all my life being told by boys and men that I was flat chested. So I found it funny that the second I owned it, People had no idea what I was talking about. Wink, wink, of course they knew. I like my username and I like being flat chested. Sure, there's times when I thought, oh, this dress would look so much better if, or "Hmm, I wonder what my silhouette would look like if, or hey, I wonder what it would be like to just grab onto some juicy melons. But I am not blessed with them and that's okay because I'm blessed with my flat, beautiful rack (laughs) and I will be keeping my username because Flats handling is just who I am now. My relationship to boobs,
1: <sighs> they don't really do anything for me i'm not attracted to them i don't like them on me they're not for me but science gave them to me anyway uh let's unpack that (laughs) i was assigned female at birth and estrogen was the hormone i was dealing with so we all knew the day was coming but i was dreading it i told my mom from like as young as four like if god curses me i'm gonna find a doctor who will remove those for me because i'm not dealing with that and she was like I, (laughs) i remember a lot of my girlfriends were like super excited to like start growing boobs and i was like y'all are weird why are you why are you getting excited over that this is like gonna be the worst day of your life but no that was just me (laughs) i was trying to hold off as long as i can on wearing bras everyone wanted to go buy their first like training bra and all that stuff and i i was not about it i was like as long as i can go without it And it was in grade six when I remember walking into the computer lab at school to print something. And one of my friends from another class was in there. And she said, Lane, you need to start wearing a bra. Oh my god, no, it's happening. Like, this can't be. I was super insecure about them all the time. It brought on a lot of depression. I would turn down plans with my friends so that I wouldn't have to leave the house. Or I would want to go out and I'd look in the mirror and be like, I can't leave the house like this. Like, I can't. Through the internet, I learned that there was binders for that. And so, like, because I had tried wrapping my chest down with scarves and other things, I knew bandages were very dangerous and I didn't want to hurt myself. So in the 10th grade, I ordered my first binder. That was a lifesaver for a while. Like, it really helped relieve a lot of dysphoria and just made me feel more like myself. Eventually, though, the binder did get old. At first, it was fine, but over time, like, it starts to hurt your ribs, your back, you get crooked. When it came to pool parties and all of that, I just felt super out of place and super insecure and just wanted to go hide in a hole. I told my girlfriend at the time I wanted top surgery, double mastectomy. To remove those things, I never really said it out loud to anyone because I was nervous about the judgment and just people thinking, oh, so you want to be a boy, and, like, that was not... it was. I eventually worked up the courage to share that with my mom. As soon as she got past that initial fear, she went full out, full send, and did everything she could for me to help me get this surgery. And it's been almost two and a half years since I had that surgery now. I feel better than ever. If you love boobs, great for you. Happy for you. Enjoy your boobs. Just not, not for me.
3: Truthfully, I kind of hated my large boobs until they became functional breasts when my eldest was born. I received amazing breastfeeding help as I learned to feed my first child. My own breastfeeding relationship and birth experience directed me onto my career path as a doula. And now I've had the honor of having been invited to be present for the births of hundreds of babies, and I've had the gift of offering lactation support services for thousands of families. There are so many stories, both good and bad, but there's one story I tell every time I teach a prenatal class. It's a story about a young couple with a large, traditional, and extended European family, and this couple asked me to be present with them at the birth of their first baby. A couple of days after the baby was born, I went to the house to do a follow-up visit with them to see how breastfeeding was going. When I arrived at the house, I found the young children and all of the men downstairs, and as tradition would have it, that meant all of the females were upstairs in the master bedroom with mom and babe. I'd arrived just in time for baby to eat. Everyone in the room gave us some respectful space. I climbed up onto the bed and went about helping mom feed the baby. As many new parents know, breastfeeding doesn't always come easily. It often means stopping and starting, trying and retrying, but we were persistent. And within a short period of time, baby was latched well and transferring milk perfectly. The newly minted mother looked at me and smiled and said that she was so happy that it didn't hurt. There was a sound that came from the corner and it distracted me, so I turned my head and I saw a small older woman standing in the corner with tears running down her face. I asked the new mom if everything was okay with the woman and she explained that that was her grandmother and that grandma didn't speak much English. Grandma explained to the new mom that she was crying tears of joy because she herself had had six children. Each time she breastfed her own child, it had hurt. No one had helped her. And she'd spent her young adult parenting life being told that it was normal and that it was necessary. Once I was told this story, grandma came up and wrapped me in the tightest, biggest hug I've ever been given. And I realized that we need to change the message. What is always, always most important is that babies are fed, regardless of whether we breastfeed them, we chest feed them, we bottle feed them, or a combination of all of the above. Breasts receive a lot of respect for me for being the functional tools that they are. And my respect for breasts has grown and evolved as I watched my wife warrior her way through breast cancer three years ago. She's healthy and well now. So yes, boobs have evolved into breasts in my life. And I'm overwhelmingly grateful for the life that I have had because of my humble appreciation
4: for them. I got my breast implants, which were cohesive gel in 2009. I became extremely ill after my son was born in 2012, and I was ill for about seven years. I had everything from arrhythmia, severe gastro problems. I couldn't eat anything without being in significant pain. I had diarrhea every single day. I had eye pain, migraines. I was losing weight. I was sick as a dog, (laughs) Doctors just didn't really know what was going on. About three years ago, a naturopath figured out that I had histamine issues and doctors were able to diagnose me eventually with mast cell activation and POTS. And these are both really new conditions that there isn't that much science on and there's no treatment So I was basically told that I would be sick for the rest of my life and that I just had to learn how to manage it. I came across some research online. Someone on a mast cell group had mentioned about breast implants being the root cause of their illness. And to be honest, I thought she was a little bit wacko jacko. I thought she's a bit crazy. I did a bit more research and I found they cause nerve damage, heart problems, gastro problems, basically everything that I had. So I took that to my doctor and I did an MRI and the MRI showed that there was a lot of inflammation around my rib cage from my breast implants and she said that she sees about 10 women a day who are all quite ill with strange symptoms and when they remove their implants about 90% of them get better. Some people get sick because the breast implants are leaking other people it's an immune reaction she said with you your pregnancy triggered an immune reaction to your breast implants so my immune system was on high alert constantly attacking my breast implants because they were a foreign object so i removed them a year ago and i would say my life has changed drastically i can work again i can run i can exercise i am no longer passing out walking around It's just amazing to think that I lost seven years of my life because of wanting bigger breasts. Sounds really silly now. I've learned a lot from this, but I think women are being failed on a grand scale because a lot of plastic surgeons are dismissing the research that's showing that they do damage. Breast implants have a shelf life of five years, so they can sit in a medical cabinet for five years and then they must be disposed of if they haven't been put in someone's body. I think most women have sold their implants as lifetime devices. But, you know, I feel very grateful that I've come out the other side and that I'm well, If you're sick, advocate hard, and if you're about to get implants, then do your own research before you just take what plastic surgeon says is gold.
5: The first time I was diagnosed with cancer, I was home alone with my daughters, Sophie, who was two months old, and Charlotte, who was 18 months old. Charlotte had managed to shove four peas up her nose, and I couldn't get them out, and the nurse on the phone told me I needed to come straight in to extract them. While I was on the phone trying to deal with that minor emergency, I had a hungry newborn trying to latch onto my boob and I was waiting to hear back from Princess Margaret Cancer Hospital with my CT results. And so the story goes that the phone rang, I answered, and standing there with a baby on my boob in the middle of the kitchen and a crying toddler in a high chair with peas stuck up her nose. I'm sorry, you have cancer. And just like that, my life snapped and I was in a fog. And then all of a sudden I began to uncontrollably laugh because all I could think about was peas. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Peas? So one thing at a time, let's get these babies to the doctor and I'll deal with cancer later. So I underwent chemotherapy, endless rounds of radiation and intense in-hospital brachytherapy, which is internal radiation. It was extremely difficult and it had a lot of moments of death's doorstep. Then just shy of two years, I was starting to regain my strength and get back into a so-called regular life. One early morning, Sophie ran straight into my right side as we were playing around. And just 20 minutes later at the park, I was bleeding through my nipple, a lot. I mean, it didn't hurt, to be honest. I didn't even notice it. It was a lady at the park who came running over to me to ask if I was okay. And when I looked down, I knew, I knew it wasn't good. I mean, who bleeds out of their boobs? Also, when you've been in the cancer seat, everything feels like an emergency. It's hard not to let your mind race. Every ache, pain is the cancer back. Weeks later, I was diagnosed with invasive DCIS, breast cancer, with a small component testing positive in one of my lymph nodes. So surgery was a must. I was brought right back to the moment of the kitchen with the peas stuck up Charlotte's nose and Sophie attached my breast that was now bleeding. All I could think about was the peas. (laughs) Oh, the peas. I was sent to plastics 45 minutes after I had officially been diagnosed with breast cancer and I stood naked in front of my close family while doctors touched, examined my body, an experience that I can best describe as a mix between a bad science experiment and how small toddlers treat the broken dolls, rough, purposeful, cold. I knew a bilateral mastectomy was the only decision for me. The medical team fought to save my healthy breast and encouraged me to consider reconstruction as they really felt strongly that I would regret my decision to have a flat chest. But to be honest, at the time, what was I gonna do with one breast? And the worry, no thanks. I wasn't really prepared for the questions after. (sighs) I think we all do the best we can in the moment and then we hope that everyone minds their own business. (laughs) But people are curious and people have very strong opinions about boobs. Wow. You know who are really curious? Kids. And I have two of them. Here's the thing. I believe women are not just their bodies and their breasts and whatever they come with. Power of femininity is within. And reconstruction after cancer is not a free boob job. Let's be clear. And for me, I needed to grieve the loss of my breasts and I didn't feel right to replace them with something that wasn't mine. Choices are really personal. But isn't that so with Everything in life. So I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable. And the girls, they want to know if they're coming back. They want to know why they came off. They want to know if they are going to have to have their boobs cut off. They inspect pictures to see what boobies look like. Who has boobies? Who doesn't have boobies? Are they long ones? Are they short ones? Are they big ones? Are they small ones? Are there mummies that have one boobie or no boobies? They gone, they gone, gone, gone. My boobs, they gone. And so I just take it one day at a time, and I'm okay with the questions, and I'm okay with the judgments, and I'm okay to be seen. And I know that I'm happy, and I'm healthy,
0: and I'm whole, and I am beautifully complete.
1: This is a
4: tip, actually.
0: Most of my life, when talking about boobs, people have said to me, at least they'll never sag. I think that sentiment is supposed to be comforting, but that's weird, right? It kind of comes across as sympathetic, and I definitely don't need sympathy and it's also not true. A bunch of years ago, Oprah Magazine did an article with a group of beautiful naked women who had all different breast sizes. I was obsessed. Looking at the different ages, different sizes, different nipples, we hadn't really seen that in mainstream media before. I ripped it out and I've been carrying it in my wallet ever since. It's completely faded and it's fallen out a few times, which always gets a funny reaction, but I love it. It's folded up, and the picture of Mary is the one facing out. She was 94 years old, and her boobs were small and completely deflated, like a balloon went out. Her quote reads, My husband would have said, some picture kid. I'll post it on my story so you can see Mary for yourself, but the tip here is to just go on and love yourself. Change them, pad them, bind them, get rid of them, make them smaller or bigger, take them off because they're sick, free them, whatever makes you happy. Just remember, we're all balloons in the end. I loved making this episode, and I am so grateful for today's stories. Lane, Sam, Nikki, Sarah H1, and Sarah H2, you are all beautiful warriors, and I am so incredibly lucky to be in your hemisphere. If you have an idea for an episode or know someone who would be a great guest, let me know. You can send your stories and ideas and just general good words to thisisitactually at gmail.com, and you can also see stuff and follow along on Instagram at thisisitactually. Message me cool stuff, but not dumb or rude stuff, because obviously. Thanks for listening. Now go say something nice to someone. This
1: is it, actually. Take a sip and grab a seat, because this is it,